Hello, welcome back to the Truck and Driver podcast. I'm Dougie Rankin. And I'm Paul O'Callaghan. But how are you? You were, you were going away this weekend as well. You had something planned. I was supposed to be at a music festival today, so that's why I didn't... Uh, when you asked me yesterday about the podcast, I said, no, wouldn't be possible. But anyway, um, given that uh, I have ankles with probably the same amount of strength as uh, the ankles of a stork, I was stepping down off the catwalk of the truck last night and I just rolled it enough or stretched it enough just to the point that I just thought you know what 12 hours uh, on, are on my feet for probably more all day today mm. it wasn't going to be ideal so I just kind of had to can that and hence why I'm able to do the do the recording with you but um, I was in I was in a walking floor trailer a lot of times the doors particular one I have at the moment the door kind of gets stuck so you have to kind of get in and just give it a little bit of current with give it a little bit of force to get it going and so you're kind of in and out of the trailer a little bit there's a little little uh, escape hatch or a little door access door on the front of the trailer so you just climb up as if you were going to do your Susie's and climb in through that little door but I was just climbing down mm-hmm. off it last night and we just kind of accidentally went over it again but anyway it's um I'm sure I'll, uh, I'll be glad tomorrow, but sorry, yeah. What's the deal with the ankles then? Is that just a hereditary thing, uh, or have you done it playing no, football it's probably and just, yeah, jumping out of trees? Exactly, yeah, probably just a comp- just been lanky and awkward, um, and when I was playing football in my teenage years, I, I do recall spraining them a good few times quite badly, and I did it then in later years, and I was out running, and now they're just uh, I have one in particular that even if I'm even on kind of when I'm out walking sometimes I have to be careful of what sort of shoes I wear it gets quite sore but you kind of forget about it after a while and uh, of course just something small like it might only be a little stone or something next thing you're walking and you're like oh here we go over on mm. it but anyway no I'm alright I'm alright it's not it's, uh, it's, uh, start to discover I always used to like do things like jump off trailers and catwalks and all those kind of things <sighs> and just like in the last few years and things that I just jump in and you can feel I used to think up until I was kind of about 36, I used to think I was indestructible pretty much until I got the sciatica from driving the tipper with the wrong seat in it and that really kind of crippled, crippled us after that. Mine's never been quite the same since. You've got to be a lot more, you've got to be a lot more careful as you get a little bit, a little bit older. I agree with you 100%. I used to do, of course, anyone when you're young, you think you're indestructible and you're jumping off stuff but now I never like even even if it's a small height like I always kind of climb down and and try and keep the impact as as low as possible because apart from that I don't really suffer kind of lucky enough don't suffer from too many injuries and um, you know when you see a lot of people with a really really bad back it's a really debilitating kind of a, mm. a, an injury because your back is you know it's connected to your legs and you have this sciatic nerve that runs all the way through you probably know all about it but oh, no yeah, look you yeah. see you often you often see young lads and they're jumping down and you're just thinking you know what it's you're going to pay for that in years to come and sure look yeah it's hard to see into the future when you're when you're feeling that oh, good and you're doesn't young matter, for, yeah it doesn't matter the slightest you're not going to tell anybody when they're that age because you can get away with it pretty much yeah, yeah. but anyway look at it's all right. At least, at least I'm here and I'm able to do the podcast with you. And I'm going to send off a few more, a few more bits and pieces to you. So, if you want, I can just give you a finish, maybe wrap up with uh, that that trip and where I was from the last time. I think we just kind of finished there. I was in um, Serbia. Just talked a little bit about that, and I went from Serbia into a country called North Macedonia, which used to be called Macedonia. So oh, yeah. that was probably the only border that I had any kind of difficulty with. Because uh, I didn't know, but when I got there, they, they always asked for a couple of things. You obviously, passport, document of the bike, and then they said uh, insurance details, So, which I hadn't been asked for anywhere. So, of course, I had those on my phone. I couldn't get 
I had no phone wasn't working there, so I couldn't, you know, open the email. So then I was like, had to eventually find someone on hotspot their phone to mine. And anyway, uh, no, that's still not, not what they wanted. They were looking for some, basically it was a, a tax or a, an insurance, like a border insurance that you needed. And they oh, were nice. saying, no, no, you're going yeah, it's, you don't know about these things kind of till you go there. But anyway, I had to, they were at one stage, and then there was a kind of police place at the border that I was going in to see if I could find Wi-Fi to connect my phone and all this. And they, were, they weren't very helpful at all. They were, uh, no, you're going to have to go around by, uh, you know, Bulgaria, which is a 500-kilometer detour. Yeah. And I thought, no, well, that's so. Eventually, uh, I found out that, no, you can actually buy it at the border. So for the sum of 50 euros, I, I bought this uh, uh, tax for North Macedonia, which lasts 15 days, but is only valid for North Macedonia. Basically, it was just a, it was a glorified tax that they called insurance, I presume. So that kind of left me with a little bit of a, I kind of entered North Macedonia with a bit of a kind of sour mm. taste in my mouth. So I didn't mm. really spend a whole lot of time there. I just uh, kind of blasted down through it. And at that stage, I was quite looking forward to getting into Greece, which you're kind of back in the EU and your phone will work. So just got inside the border. It was kind of getting hot at this stage as well, quite humid, and you're just kind of getting to the hotel room and even getting in, in your bike gear, your leathers and whatever else you have, and just kind of panning out in the aircon. But anyway, I spent a night there up in a little place called Polycastron, not not too far inside the the North Macedonian border. But then I headed across to a place called Yanina. It's, it's spelt I-O-A-N-N-I-N-A, but it's pronounced mm-hmm. Yanina. Anyway, that's, o- that's over. So you're basically heading down for uh, Thessaloniki, and then you're shooting over towards... Um, towards the coast there, towards uh, Igumanitsa. So you'll remember there a few years ago, I did an article about uh, Petunus with all the great Scania V8s. I don't know if you remember that one. So yeah, friendly. Yes, but you remember it well. Mm. So he's a good top bloke and went over, uh, I spent three nights there. So I was calling up the yard. I had um, a couple of little bits I wanted to do on the bike, change the headlight bulb when I got to wash the bike and that up there. But of course, when I got there, it was a big, usual big reception and, Big dinner. I sent you out. I sent you a photograph there. There's a Dutch guy called Arian Toons, and the last time was a few years ago. I think it was three, maybe three years ago since I was there last, 2019, and he was there also. So he's a Dutch guy okay. with a Scania R500 camper van, which he tours in him and his wife travel for about 11 months of the year in this R500 camper. Um, I sent you a picture of it there. It started off as a. Is it a child? Is that just what he does now? Um. Yeah, that's what he does. That's what he does. I think he sold a business and uh, he's not not short of a few quid, obviously, and that's what he's able mm. to do. Cause he, oh, what he was life. actually telling me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I thought I had a good life and then you meet uh, guys like this. So he does something else which I hadn't heard of before. So it's called the Tunisian or the Tunisia Desert Challenge. It's like a Paris-Dakar style event. And uh, I said, oh, you go and you work on it. Because he said he, he drives the recovery trucks and that kind of stuff. And he said, no, no, I just do that. For, I don't get paid for it. I just do it for a bit of a bit of a hobby. And that's every year he goes and does that. And then he comes back to his camper and tours around. So it, it mm. uh, quite a quite an interesting fellow, really well connected in the in the transport world as well. So he, he gave me a couple of numbers of a few guys in, uh, in Holland that he's familiar with. But uh, it was quite funny that. So that R500 started off as a flower truck in Holland. So he bought it there. And then brought it down to Greece and had all, had it all converted, had a lot of the work done. He might he might have got some of the uh, interior done, would say the, the camper van part of it done in um, up in Holland. But then all the rest of it, obviously all the tuning and the black smoke box, essentially the video there he was putting. It was actually quite funny because we had the dinner and uh, in the middle of the day, big dinner, beers, the whole lot. And uh, Petunas went off, he went off for his kind of siesta, which is a bit of a Greek thing. You know, they'll close down for a few hours in, when it's really hot in the afternoon. 
but uh, us kind of nor- more northern Europeans not really designed for that so myself and Arian stayed up and had a few more beers but uh, I asked them just you know show me the, this you know this thing they have called a smoke box which is probably as far away from Euro 6 <laughs> as you could probably imagine in this day and age so I saw the video yes yeah I saw the video yeah so of course it's got this um it's got uh, a side or a straight exhaust, which is, I don't know how many meters of piping had to go into it to get that sound. This is basically how it works. I'm told you can't just, you know, go straight out from the from the end of this short pipe or it'll, it'll sound terrible. So anyway, we're sitting there in the, in the afternoon, this thing revving black smoke to the clouds. And I said, you know, to him, I said, it's, it's great that we're in a country where like there's probably people, you know, just in, sitting in and instead of giving out about it, they're probably thinking, yeah, great. We want more of this. This is Greece after all, where... Uh, big exhaust and black smoke is is applauded. So um, yeah, that was that was uh, that was quite good. You see, he's got a big dog there. He brings around with him. So anyway, had a had a couple of days there in uh, in Yanina and having a look at whatever else Petunis he's after. That time he had a one four one tag axle restored. The last article I did, and he was doing a one four two, which is now finished, and a one four three, which is now also finished. And I couldn't get those. I think there's a problem with the clutch in the 142, so uh, that wasn't taken out. But um, yeah, he's kind of got the full range, you know, all the way up from the. I think he still needs to do a. He's going to do a 140, but you know, he's got the 141, two, three. He's got a 164, an NDR, you know, this kind of thing going on. But anyway, I spent a few days there, and then I said, sure, I was gone that far. I might as well head for Athens because Athens is a real. It's kind of like the holy grail for me in terms of Greece and, and truck spotting. So instead of going down the motorway, because Greece now they have all these new motorways, which you don't see too much on. So I went on the old road down uh, as far as Patras. And at Patras there, I don't know if you, if you can look on the map, you have to cross over the Gulf of Patras. So you're basically crossing over. There. They've built a bridge uh, across there. So the bridge goes from... Uh, Re- Rio to uh, Ontario. So you can go on the bridge, but they also have kept the ferries running. There's a little ferry that'll bring you across. The ferries were there before the bridge, and I presume the ferries are subsidized because the sum for the ferry, the price was probably the cheapest ferry I'll ever take in my life. Uh, it cost a pricely sum of, or princely sum of one euro. So you're on it for about 15 minutes, and uh, that was quite good value. There's quite a few old trucks on it there as well. There was an MP1. Mega space. There was a man roadhouse rigid and drag from Ooh. Albania as well that was on it. Uh, probably didn't send you a picture of that, but anyway, that's kind of that's the sort of stuff I love. I love seeing, uh, and there's so so much of that kind of stuff in uh, in in Greece. Uh, mm. I also I also saw uh, which is ultra rare now an old. Albanian round headlight F12 Globetrotter uh, that was in a little customs compound in Yanina. So you can kind of see now why I like going to Greece so much. You're just seeing these kind of things that working, and I'm like having sort of palpitations when I see these. <laughs> People are kind of wondering what's, you know, what's wrong with these guys. You just don't see these. Even to see a round headlight Globetrotter at a truck show now is very rare. Yeah. You know, so uh, see, see, see these kind of things working. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's fairly, fairly impressive. So um, that was that was kind of I was basically making my way down towards um, towards Athens and uh, got there. Stayed stayed down stayed near uh, Corinth. You know the Gulf of Corinth there, the, the Corinth Canal, that famous kind of place. Stayed there for a night 
and then uh, headed into uh, Aspropagus. Have you heard of Harry's Truck Stop? Harry's. Harry's. Well, you'll have to read uh, Russell Oliver's. Uh, that's what I was going to say. Trip. I think that's, yeah. that's what I've, I've not been yes. there. Russell's mentioned no. it, yeah. Yeah, so Harry's Truck Stop is this really famous one in uh, in Aspropagus. And the last time I tried to find it, uh, I couldn't find I gave up, I couldn't find it. But it's just kind of, it's just a little bit tricky to find that it. it's in a kind of little industrial area. But it's actually, when you're trying to find it on Google Maps or Googling it, it's called Truck Stop Grecia, G-R-E-C-I-A, as in Truck Stop Greece. But anyway, I went in there and it's kind of, there's guys kind of parking trucks there, uh, Greek trucks. But I met, I was talking to a guy, Dutchman and his wife who were driving for um, a Dutch company. Uh, v, is it VTS for yeah Verdike Transport Services they do a lot of Ireland and a lot, lot of pharmaceuticals and that's so good chat with him there and I was talking to Harry's son-in-law he was um, he was there made me feel really welcome I said this is a, it's a famous famous truck stop I had to come and see it you know so there was a lot of old number plates up in the wall there you know yeah. English registration paste and Dutch and all that so from there then did the usual bit of truck spotting in around Aspropagus and then did probably what was the well either the most difficult or, or the most stupid thing I did on the whole holiday was that I um, stayed in a hotel near um, not too far from Athens and I decided I wanted to go in and see the just do at least one tourist thing because everything is kind of near, or more or mm-hmm. less revolves around trucks and roads so instead of going and see the you know the famous site like the Acropolis the Parthenon the Olympia and all these kind of mad structures that were built like in the 4th century BC which are actually quite cool they're in right in the middle of Athens up, up on a hill so uh, I went in there, but the uh, the problem was it was so so hot, like it was thirty five degrees, uh, which is not much fun on a motorbike when you're sitting in traffic and the fan is kind of got working overtime and all the heat of the bike is coming up against you. Plus the fact mm. that you kind of can't find your way around and you can't just have a little sneaky look down at, at Google Maps when you're sitting in, in your car in aircon and traffic lights. But uh, anyway, I went in there and and saw a bit of that and uh, just basically kind of spent a couple of days around Greece. Um, having a look at a few old truck dealers' yards and, of course, the obligatory, uh, compulsory for me, call into the port of, uh, sorry, port, I should say, of Paris, which is, Paris is like the busiest passenger terminal port in the world. Fairly sure I've got all that out correctly. But, yeah, you can just, it's such a cool place. You can just, anyone can just go in there. Um, you know, I just rode in the motorbike. You can go right up to the water's edge. Trucks are coming in. There's, and there's you know, there's nobody there's nobody wearing high vis in there and I got the video camera out there and did a bit of recording of uh, just the old trucks coming in over the Weybridge there and because these are all these trucks all these um, trucks and ferries are going to all these mad islands like you know Santorini and Crete and, and God knows where else so you, you do see some quite cool stuff in there I saw a couple of old Mercedes-Benz SKs and man roadhouses yeah I saw like a, it was so some of them there um, I'm not sure exactly they might be going to like uh, EOS or Cost or somewhere so they're br- they're bringing out hay out there so they've got these huge loads of hay rigid and drags with huge loads of hay um, kind of nearly bordering on you know the way you see trucks in India where the load yeah. start, start, it starts off we'd say the width the width of the body and then it's just kind of starts kind of tapering outwards to this massive kind of massive load so so not not quite to that extreme but they were kind of getting there you know they've just kind of started building i presume they're at square bales and they've built them out and they have them covered so uh saw saw a bit of that kind of stuff there which was which was really cool and um at one stage then there was like poor police came over and they were kind of throwing an eye over me but i had the motorbike set up uh, in in the shade and i had the video camera kind of set in the top box and then i had my own camera but some guy came over after a while he was taking photographs of uh 
of the of the ships coming and going, and um, they had a word with him, and I asked him what did they say, and so oh, you, you need permission to 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 record or take photographs in here, so. I said, all right, well, mm. you know, unless unless someone, yeah, I I didn't I didn't even worry about it. I just kept going and recording and taking photographs. So it was just a box that I wanted to uh, to take in in Greece. But really, you know, it was just kind of getting that hot down there. It was time to time to head north. So um, oh yeah, I forgot to mention as well. Uh, I called to a haulier who who I've written an article about. So I don't want to get give away too much. But mm. um, there's a, a haulier called. Uh, Marinus Vassilopoulos. So they would be what I would consider to be probably one of the largest transport, well, definitely the largest international transport company in Greece. They've got 80 tractor units and about 100 fridges, and they're all top-class stuff. So it's kind of more or less evenly split between uh, Scania, DAF, and Volvo, but they're all, they're all mm-hmm. like, you know, the nicest, you know, the FH-16s and the loads of V8s. So... Um, the, you can't just kind of rock up and go in there. I was after Petunus rang him and kind of more or less said who I was. And I was so eventually I ended up there's two guys who were in a partnership there um, Elias Marinus and Demetrius uh, Vasilopoulos. So I was sitting there with, the, with those guys kind of in the reception area, quite a kind of high end reception area, and their accountant <laughs> and an interpreter mm-hmm. because, you know, I'd said that, well, which was kind of true. I was in a journalist calling from, uh, calling from a, a magazine in England to do an article about mm-hmm. it. So they're, oh yes, you know, let's yeah, get, get a coffee for this man. So in, in Greece, it's kind of funny. A lot of people, they do, um, they just ring up some, you know, these co- little coffee shops and they, co- they bring out, the co- they deliver the coffee to you. So they, you know, right. frappe, iced coffee. Yeah, so it was, it was quite difficult because the guys didn't really speak English. So everything had to go tr- through an interpreter. So, uh, but anyway, I managed to get enough uh, questions across and enough information just for, for the article. So I was quite chuffed with that. I also called into uh, Sarantos. So do you know who Sarantos are? I do not know who Sarantos are. Sarantos, anyway, I, that was just a kind of a, not, not, it wasn't a trick question, but anyone kind of who's into the Greek end of stuff, a lot of people know who uh, Sarantos uh, Petropolis are because They've got these really flashy Volvos and, and Scanias that do international work, but um, they've only got they've only got uh, fifteen trucks working internationally, and they've got five working nationally in Greece. But I had a, had a quick call in there. I was I was actually a little bit cheeky because I didn't have a contact num- number for them, and there's a big sliding gate. It's kind of all it's pretty well fenced off there, so the sliding gate had opened for someone else to come out, and I I was going past, and I said, oh well, you know, uh, he who dares wins. So I just kind of landed in on my motorbike. <laughs> And I was waiting for someone to say, like, who, who are you? Uh, no, it's grand. I got a, I got a few photographs there, and I just kind of, like, I walked into the office. I had to, and of course, you see, it's funny now, there's still some places where, um, for example, in Greece, when I went into the supermarket, everybody was still wearing a mask. Mm. So this COVID thing, it's still a little bit funny in, in places, and you kind of forget about it. But now I went in, and I think they were more amused, the fact that someone had kind of come in, and I was telling them I was from Ireland, and I was writing for this truck magazine. They said, oh, yeah, yeah, take a few photographs there. But now they're... They have some really famous, famous trucks, Sarantas. And so I kind of ticked all the boxes I wanted to tick down around that end of the end of the things and started making my way north. I did quite a lot then. The next day I went from Athens up into Albania, which is another country that I had never been in before and I was a little bit interested in. And I spent uh, a couple of days in Albania. Again, a country that, you know, I thought it was going to be uh, a lot more a lot poorer than it actually was and there was a lot more poverty. I thought, I thought there was going to be a lot more poverty there. I didn't see that. What I did see was on a Sunday, 
lots of people out working in the fields. Like I don't think uh, you're probably not getting many uh, handouts or, or uh, mm. you know, it probably wouldn't be a great country if you were kind of one of these uh, benefit scroungers because <laughs> I don't think you'd be getting a whole lot, but it was quite nice to see. Well, not quite nice, but it was quite interesting to see mm. how many people were out working in the fields, men, women, out with, with holes, you know, um, uh, holes, garden holes, whatever, weed, weeding like lines of, of vegetables or, or uh, furrows of vegetables and that kind of thing. And, you know, people out making hay, donkeys and carts, that kind of thing. But still, uh, far better roads than a lot of the roads we have here in Ireland. And uh, nice scenery, plenty of mountains, nice people as well. So that was that was Albania. I did a night in a town called Korsha. I think it's K-O-R-G-A, Korsha, or Korsha, they, they pronounce it. There was a, there was a music for uh, some sort of a kind of a traditional festival on there. So went out and went out and had a few beers, found a, found a nice hotel. Actually... Because my phone didn't work in Albania either, I needed to use Wi-Fi in order to use Booking.com. So I, I saw, just saw a little, small little um, kind of an internet cafe with a couple of guys drinking beers. So I said, I'll go in here and, and ask for a beer and then I'll ask for the Wi-Fi code. So he was, uh, I just got chatting to the guy. He says, oh, what are you looking for? I'm looking for a hotel. Oh, I have a hotel. And I was thinking, oh, of course you do. <laughs> so at that yeah. stage, he says, oh, yeah, come on. He said, no, it's a new hotel, nice, clean. I said, how much? 35 euros. Come, uh, come, follow me, follow me. So at that stage, you're... you're you know, you're, you're kind of in for a penny, in for a pound. So I followed him. And truth to his word, it was a lovely hotel. I think it was, yeah, 35 euros for for a night. So, you know, aircon, Wi-Fi, the whole lot. So stay yeah, there. Oh, sounds, sounds good to me. Yeah, exactly. No, good good value. So, I mean, I had the tent with me, but, I mean, you're not going to start camping in that kind of heat. It's still in the evening time, but it'd be still, like, up in the high 30s. So, well, okay, one, yeah. It seems to be across Europe, and it's really hot in a lot of places. Not... Scotland. This is the same old crap as it even says. That's kind of that. I suppose that brings me up to where, where I was when I did the last the last podcast with you after I spoke to you. Um, I made my way up, gave myself a couple of uh, two and a half days to get up through France up to Cherbourg, and using only uh, the rule was using only D roads, which is which is possible. You can do that in France. Mm-hmm. So rather than just going up through motorways i just used uh just bought a map and was, was using that so that was quite enjoyable you know some really really nice roads in france not much traffic on them so that that brought me up to up to sherbrooke yeah. and got, yeah got back in monday and then i was back in a truck uh, first thing tuesday morning straight back out the phone was already going strip strip i got well uh <laughs> yeah well i kind of got a I, he the guy who i work for had contacted me when i was when i was away wondering if I was around, I said, no, I'll be, he said, give me a shout when you're back. So I gave him a ring and shout on Monday. And he said, yeah, there's, there's someone on holidays and his truck will be back on, uh, it's in, it's a way of being tested. It'll be back Wednesday. So I thought, oh, that's grand. That'll give me, that'll give me a day to kind of chill out and relax on, on Tuesday. I actually sat down on the lap, just to do stuff on the laptop. And I got a call at eight o'clock in the morning. Oh, someone has called in sick. If, if you're interested, you want to come in. So I was like, oh yeah, the day was, it was quite nice and sunny outside, so I didn't really fancy sitting at the laptop. So mm. I was out in a 161 reg, uh, 16 reg R560. So anyway, that's what I've been, I drove that for a couple of days. And then uh, I've been in a, another 16 reg R520, so drawing wood chips. So yeah, it's quite nice to get back and do a bit of work, Dougie, after, after being away and oh. spending for oh, wow. five weeks. Uh, five weeks you went away from so, then. That's so that's kinda... it's a hell of an adventure now, obviously. You've, you've 
explained a lot of this stuff to, to the listeners and things, and we're going to be able to see some of these things coming up in some updates going forward. That's a good idea, yeah. I Someone asked me about that, and I kind of agree. You're going to be doing like a sort of a, a, a bit of a diary of this adventure on the bike, with the, the trucks and things yeah. that you encountered. I, I, I kind of hadn't thought about it because I thought, well, it's not really, it's, it mightn't be an, really relevant for a truck and driver because it's more so, more so biking, but... Um. Yeah, it's possible. I could. I could do it. Could add it. Add it to the to do list. <laughs> but uh, maybe everybody will know about it now after I've, I've uh, mm. spoken about it here. But it's. I'll put it on the list. Aye. What have you got now? Because you've got. Um. We've got the magazine that's on sale at the moment has got your um, uh, update where you drove that crazy big MAN uh, wood chipper thing back from Germany. Oh yeah! By the way, can I just just cut across you there? So that's uh-huh. yeah. Uh, it's a, it's a man an engine and the machine. It's an Albac Diamant two thousand is the machine. I bet you there'll be someone out there who, who will know about them. But I actually got to see it uh, working. So I loaded uh, a load of of wood chip uh, from that machine during the week. So I was I was excited to see it. You know, after spending a bit of time and with a few days in it and driving it back from Germany and then to actually see it see it working um, was quite impressive. And they're they're delighted. At how it's performing, it's able to, it's able to, uh, to, to as we'd say, like horse through the work uh, more so. The, so they they were doing a job that they thought was going to take two weeks, and I think that that machine had it wiped out in in the space of a week. So yeah, she's she's fairly impressive now. That was the that was the Albac, yeah. And what else in that magazine? Oh, then I have the 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 F. What did you call the article? The FH sixteen uh, two t- sixteen times two. Is that it? Is that what the title yeah. of that one was? The two FH sixteens in Ireland. So I actually got I bought that magazine during the week and was fairly happy with how it turned out. So uh, that article with the with the Volvo's in it. Mm-hmm. All right, interesting. That's going to be good. That lots and lots of interesting stuff coming up um, in the magazine going forward. And that that's um, it's uh, really good to have all all, all these different th- these different things coming up um, and get that variety of, of stuff in there. Yeah. So the I sent it. There was one because someone asked me about this actually, and just I've just thought about it now. So in last month's issue, it said uh, ultra rare Hino coming up, which was which was supposed to be in this month. That's one. in this one. It's definitely in the. It's definitely it's in, in the next one. one. I've allocated. It, yes. Ah, okay. I've someone allocated asked me about it. And I said, one, oh, yes. yeah. <laughs> it's in. Because yeah, it's in there. It's only a short little little piece, but um. Probably, how many hinos have been in the magazine? Not too many, I'd say. Not very many at all, you know. That's no, not, no. Not very many, especially not any of the older ones. No, this thing is from, I can't even remember, it's it's definitely 40 years old and the same people have had it from new, so that'll be in That'll be in the next one. And I'll have, I'm just about to send it off to here, I'll have a team truck and driver from uh, a load of livestock I did to Portugal. So that's what oh, I'm going to send you next. Yeah. Brilliant. Uh, so, um, no, that's, that's good stuff. That as well, because uh, it's um, I, we've got some busy times coming up. We've got this RTX event coming up, then we've got Thruxton right the way after that as well. Um, and then there's a few other things coming up as well over the su- over the summer. There's Convoy in the Park, which I'm not going to because it's my sister's wedding. Oh, um, yeah, not much I well, can do, to, not much I can do about that one. This I'll time be, around. Yeah, no, well, that's fair enough. That's family stuff comes first. I just wanted to say, I'll be. I heard yourself and Matt were speaking about uh, the Kelsel Steam Rally, so I'm I'm all I'm gearing up now to head to that next weekend. So I'm going to bring the 1853 Euro Cab to that. All going well. 
just need to pull that out of the shed now and, and give it a bit of a clean up after I had it out in, it, in the mud last week. So I'm quite looking forward to, to Kelsel. That should be a good one. Never been at it before. I've only heard good reports about it. And yeah, looking forward to it. Mm. Uh, that'll, that'll be a good one, Kelso Steam Rally. I'm missing that as well, unfortunately. Um, no one's going to be done about that. There's a, um, the retro truck shows um, coming up in September as well. I missed yeah. that last year, and that's going to be an exciting, exciting exactly. event as well. It's good to make the, the good to make the mo- most of these in the most of summer after the last couple of years, which we've had to contend with and things being cancelled and not being able to run properly because of COVID and all this, all this, all that kind of stuff. It's um, uh, COVID's kind of fallen to the background uh, in a way. Pe- places are just using it as and when it suits them now. Uh, I, yeah. I, I think uh, p- personally, um, you might see it coming back in more in the summer. I imagine so. Yeah, well, the only down- downside to it, I was just chatting to a friend of mine yesterday. He's uh, he's driving on the continent more or less full time, and he's just kind of just about kind of had enough of it for a while because it was great when COVID was there. Everyone had single cabins, which was easy for the ferry companies to do because they obviously weren't getting all the car passengers, people going on holidays. Mm-hmm. But now that that's you know they're all back again, it's it's a case of uh, of sharing cabins. So it's kind of takes a bit of takes a bit of the kind of the appeal off of the international driving, especially if you're on a on a you know an eighteen hour ferry or even longer if you're getting the ferry from Ireland to Spain. So not re- not really missing the the continental work at the moment, especially this time of year. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's it. That's it. You know, I'll tell you what. I would. I would really like to be able to get back out and do some truck driving soon. We are still busy. I've had a good response. I've got a couple of promising leads from getting people to write some stuff for us, and I've got people coming on and doing a bit more here and there, which is good because I'm quite quite excited about that going forward as well. But I'm looking. But I don't think I'll be able to get out driving, unfortunately. Until probably August. I've always got this grand plan. I'm going to drive every month of the year, and then it doesn't happen because we get busy with a whole load of other stuff. Not that I can uh-huh. do about it, but some decent, some uh-huh. interesting stuff lined up from Ren- Renault. Or get Renault are getting a turbo comp. The Renault Renault are getting the turbo compound engine from Volvo, by the way, which is coming out, which is coming out in 480 horsepower form rather than 460 or 520. So they're going in the middle, just the one option for Renault, and that should do quite well for them because. Fuel economy and efficiency is going to be becoming such a big issue going forward because fuel is going up uh, in price every, uh, every sort of day now. It's absolutely crazy the price of fuel, and it's not going to. Um, it's not going to. It doesn't seem to stop be stopping anytime soon, and it's going to cause some real issues going forward because hauliers can't simply up their rates on a weekly basis. You can't respond that quickly, and with profit margins being what they are. It's uh, it's quite concerning, really. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't really see where it's where it's going to go or or where it's going to end. Just when you were speaking about uh, Renault trucks, there, I'll uh, just send you a little video and a picture. So there's uh, a Renault cab. I don't know it, who if Renault themselves make it or if it's been uh, adapted after in in Holland or somewhere. But it's a uh, it's a Renault T High. Left-hand drive. Mm-hmm. Uh, this so there's a, I think there's a couple and there's one or if not two in Ireland. I've just sent you a video of it there. Um, mm-hmm. So it has the passenger seat is removed and it's got it's kind of got a wooden floor and wood on the back wall um, microwave. I'm not sure if it has a little sink in it and that, but I'm just not really convinced. Some of these cab conversions, especially where there's T 
timber involved. I'm just not sure if they're really that appealing. They, they can kind of get a bit cold. It's almost like, well, I don't want my cab to turn into a, a It's like, you know, you're living in the kitchen either. Mm, <laughs> or, mm-hmm. or a, so, uh, but anyway, I suppose it's good to see that um, Renault or, you know, people are doing, companies are doing stuff for increased uh, space. And, uh, but I think personally, just, uh, I like the, I like the traditional setup of two seats and just maybe a little bit more space as in uh, maybe an, an XXL cab or something along mm-hmm. those lines. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't take up a huge amount of space. What I, what I actually looked at was really interesting. Yesterday, I went to see a company called Davis Track Hire, which is in the next issue, and their guys spend an awful lot of time, I mean, they're like 30% driving, 70% laying these uh, portable roadways and tractors and cranes and things. So they can be out in all weathers and things like adverse conditions, um, and they can bet it for many others. And what they've got is a pod, which is attached to the back of the Scania R450 DAF XF, and it's got a toilet and a shower, like a wet room in it, and a, a, a sink as well. So you've actually got a full set of washing facilities attached to the back of the truck. And it doesn't take up that much more room. Uh, as to, I mean, these are rigid wagon bags, but if you look at yeah. it, you think, if you want to extend the chassis, if you were going to say, you know, for like real long-haul trampers, you know, guys are not going to be going in and out of farms all the time. You could get a long wheelbase tractor unit with that in the back of it, and then you would have, you know, your your own full set of facilities. They designed it themselves, came up with the whole concept, and got it all rigged out to suit. Um, I don't think anybody else has got a setup done done like that. Um, but these guys can be on site for very long periods of time, um, and they can be out in the middle of nowhere. They don't have any access to anything, so it's a really, uh, it's a, it's a. It's a really good good idea, and it, it's something that you could, in theory, add to trucks um, if you weren't like so um, heavily regulated by that length thing. If you were pulling forty foot trailers, you could get one of them on um, a, a tractor unit, I think. Yeah, well, I'm sure it beats um, going in somewhere and being directed to uh, a portaloo somewhere in the corner because. We all, we all know about the trepidation of like opening that door in the portaloo and like what, what what am I actually going to find in here? <laughs> Is it going to be like something from uh, uh, you know area thirteen or what's going to crawl mm. out, out out of it? Like so, yeah, so probably something to be said for that too. Have we any other business, or I, th- I think that's more or less. Look out for the uh, the magazine that's on sale now is packed out with some good stuff in it. The next one coming up, we've got another update from Paul. Please support the magazine. Consider that. People were saying as well, cost of living crisis, um, everything's getting more expensive. The magazine price went up. What you can find out is the magazine is still available on subscription for 40 quid for 13 issues. Inflation-busting magazine deals there. <laughs> You're right to point that out because sometimes people kind of get a bit carried away and think, oh, we're getting ripped off and look at the price of it. And it's like, well, you know, it's not that someone's ripping you off. It's like just everything has gone so expensive but sometimes we kind of forget that but anyway that's all from yes. me for the moment next week uh, you're 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 off to cyprus i'm i'll be back and yes. i'll be I'll back be- to, on the wood chip for for most of next week and then heading mm. out to the kelsel steam rally on friday mm. so maybe oh brilliant. i'll probably anyone anyone that's at that and to see me there with the with the black well, Euro cab, come over and say hello and expo as well remember the week after is that the week after it is the week after. You'd be oh, so, staying so over it again. Well, there'll be, there'll be uh, yeah. Well, that's there, there'll be no there'll be no full of the pipe for me. So because that's the same weekend as as uh, your expo. But anyway, no, I'll I'll go over there anyway. 
I need to catch, I need to catch up with um, our dear Chris Madison this week in the podcast as well because it's been like a month since I've been, I'm on it. I failed to catch up with him uh, during this week when he was out in the truck and that as well. So I might be able to sort of fucking manage it, yeah. hopefully. But uh, thanks very much, Paul. Uh, have a good week. Uh, take care, everybody. We shall catch up with you again soon. Dead on, doggy. All the best. Take care. Take care. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to the Truck and Driver podcast. Please subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. To keep up to date with the latest news, 100% for drivers, visit truckanddriver.co.uk, where you can also subscribe to the print edition of Truck and Driver magazine, which publishes on the last Friday of every month. The Truck and Driver podcast is produced by Sound Rebel. To find out more, please visit soundrebel.co.uk.